want to go to Matthew chapter 9. I'm going to read verse 35 through 37. I know we've got some visitors here today. The way we do this is when you get to it, you say amen. That way I know y'all are ready. Amen. Were y'all just saying that for what I said, or are y'all saying that because? Amen. amen. Very good. I still hear some pages being flipped. By the way, I found a new bang that I like. This rainbow unicorn, we know it's on point, but there's one that's a watermelon. Has anybody had the watermelon one yet? Man, it's pretty good. All right, back to the word. Let's get to what's important. Verses 35 through 37. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion of them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I praise you. I want to thank you for the time that I got to spend with my family last week. And, and Father, thank you for the people that you've put in place that can run this church God, thank you for this congregation, just the support that they give, the understanding that they have when myself and the leadership does take vacation time with family. God, I just love that when <laughs> I just said earlier, what's the number one ministry? And to hear everyone say family. Um, God, that's something that you've taught us since day one in this church. You make us focus on that constantly. I thank you for always bringing that to our attention, letting us know that that's what's most important. God, you've given me a word. And right now in this moment, Father, I just ask that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, just take all of my pride, selfishness, fear, anxiety, doubt. God, I ask that you take all of that away and you replace it with nothing but your love, your words, and your boldness today, Father. God, this is another message that I know that you have to get across, not only to myself, but to the rest of this congregation here and online. Father, I just ask for open hearts. God, I ask that you just replace all of my bad with your good. You cast all of my bad stuff away, Father. Replace it with you, your breath, and your love. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us to forgive. Amen. All right, guys. And just because Bojo talked about my preaching time, I'm going to time myself again today. Church, everyone in this room and everyone that's watching online, I have a message to give you from God today. On Tuesday... This past week at the beach, July the 20th, at 5, excuse me, at 6.15 a.m., I was by myself standing at the edge of the water. I do this every time we go to the beach. Y'all know I'm an early riser, so I like to go out and I like to watch the sunrise. So I'm, I'm there on Tuesday. I've got my feet in the water. And y'all are going to think this is really silly, but I do this every time I go to the beach. I stand there and I look out. 
And I'm like, God, you parted the seas for Moses. Just, just part it just a little bit by my feet. I just want to have that faith that you just part it just a little bit by my feet. That's all I'm at. I'm not asking for you to part, you know, the Gulf of Mexico. Just, just right here. Just. So I always do that. I know people may think that's silly. But I literally stand there in prayer and in focus because I know that if he wants it done, he'll do it through me. I know that. Now, he hasn't wanted to do that through me. But, but, but I'm still going to try every time I go to the beach, right? But I'm standing there and I'm in that moment. I'm in prayer and I'm in worship. And God says to me, he says, Micah, I need you to tell my people that it is time to part the seas. So immediately I get emotional just like I am right now. He told me to look to my left and he told me to look to my right. So keep in mind, I'm standing at the water. All the condos and beach houses are behind me. So all I see is water. Now keep in mind, this is at sunrise. There's nobody else basically on the beach. And I look to my left, and there's this huge storm coming in. And I look to my right, and it's this beautiful sunrise. Just beautiful sunrise. He then tells me, he says, I want you to start walking to the storm. I'll show you a picture real quick. Put that picture up there. The one on the left is the storm. And then immediately I turn to my right and there's the sunrise, right? I start to walk to the storm. And he says to me again, he says, which way did you want to go? I said, well, God, why wouldn't I want to go to the sunset? Like, it's beautiful over there. It's peaceful. You know, you've got nothing but thunder and lightning going over here. It's this major storm. Why would I want to go towards something that's dark and dreary? Why would I want to go that direction? I want to go the direction of the sun. He says, that's not where I need your church to go. He says, I need your church to go to the storm because I need your help over there. So I again turn and I start heading towards the storm. I've walked probably 100 yards. And he says, turn around. And I turn around and there's that sunset again, right? And he said, Mike, I'm trying to show you something. I need you to get this across to the people of the church. If you'll stay on my path going to the storm... I always got your back. Just keep going to the storm. Because the thing is, is every time we start to head to that storm, it gets tough, right? Lightning starts to flash, thunder's crackling, it's bad, right? It starts to rain. But the thing is, is no matter how tough that storm is, if God's told you to go to it, all you have to do every once in a while is turn around and his light will be right there to remind you that he's there and he's got your back. Now, don't waver off that path, guys. Stay on his path, right? Don't go to the right or left. We've talked about that many times because then when you turn around, it's probably just darkness, right? But if you stay on his path, his light is always behind you. So what God is telling us today, I have been hesitant because we're a new church. This is your pastor's fault. It's not, it's not y'all's fault. I wasn't sure that we were ready to really step out there as a church. I apologize for that because I was wrong. I even said to God, I said, but God, I just don't know that we're ready to go walk right into storms 
we got small storms because we're a new church. We need to work things out here and there and organization and difference. And he says to me, he says, didn't I part the seas? Didn't I heal the blind? He said, didn't I tell you in my word that I would equip who I sent? Guys, as the church, it's time. He has equipped us. He has called us as the church. I thought this sermon was going to be for a certain individual. See, right before I left, I texted the elders and the pastors. And I reached out to them and I said, hey guys, I said, God, I feel like God's really want me to start a series. And I said, through this series, I need to know what does it take when God calls you, what characteristics does it take to accomplish the goal that he has for you? And there were a lot of great characteristics that the men sent me. And we're going to go over those in the weeks to come. But I thought this sermon was just to point out, I thought there were certain individuals that needed to hear it. And then when I go to the beach, it says, no, it's your entire church, you included. God's not calling certain individuals in this church, guys. He's calling the church. The more I look back at it and the more I realize that this church is so ready to take that step. And I know some of you, and I'm fixing to get to that, may feel like you're not worthy of that. We're going to get to that. But this series is going to be four to five weeks. And again, we're going to discuss all of the different characteristics, again, that you will need through this process. But today, I just wanted to introduce this series. It's not going to be a big sermon. I just want to introduce what it is that we're going to look at going forward. As I was preparing this sermon, God asked me to go to Joshua. I was excited because most of you all know Joshua's my boy, right? Like, I love Joshua. I was excited I got to go to that. But, but then he, he said, no, I need you to go to chapter 2, and I need you to discuss somebody else that's in the book of Joshua. Now, I have preached a sermon on this person before, and some of this stuff you may have heard before because you've been here for the last year and a half. If you have, just Christianly nod and, and agree with me as we go, okay? I want to go to Joshua chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 16. You guys can follow along. Get some amens when you get there. That was quick. See? We're getting faster. Just in the last year and a half, just alone right there. We're getting faster. Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israel camp. He instructed them. Scout out the land of the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to a house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there overnight. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come to spy on this land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the entire land. Rahab had hidden the two, but she replied, Yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. When actually she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for these spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, 
the Jericho gate had shut. Before the spies went to sleep, I am now on verse 8, by the way. Before the spies went to sleep, Rahab went up on top of the roof to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. Okay, I want to stop right there. A lot of people skip past Rahab in the book of Joshua. And I know some of y'all don't because, again, we've studied this before. I've preached a sermon on her. But she says right here in verse 9, I know the Lord has given you this land. God spoke to Rahab. How else would she know? Right? Okay. I want to skip back to verse 1. It says, the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab. God spoke to a prostitute, gave her a vision, and gave her a prophecy. To a prostitute. Y'all catch that? This is one of the nastiest women probably in this town. But God still spoke to her. Guys, y'all have heard me many times talk about this. It doesn't matter your past. That doesn't matter at all. It all matters in that moment. In the moment that obedience is put in front of you, do you take it and do you run with it? Rahab was given that opportunity. Now, I want to continue on, guys. Let's go to, uh, let's see, that was verse 9. Let's go to verse 10. For we have heard the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is, of the, is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth below. Now swear to me, this is Rahab speaking to the two spies. Swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live. Along with my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind when the Lord gives us this land. But since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window, escaped to the hill country, she told them, hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have returned, you can go on your way. I'm going to stop there, but I want to go back up to verse 15. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall. Now, this is what God showed me through this whole process. Number one, he'll speak to a prostitute. We need to know that right off the bat. Doesn't matter how nasty you are, he'll speak to you. He'll give you an opportunity. Doesn't matter, okay? That's the first thing that we pick up on. Number two, we pick up on that she does hear God. She actually confirmed that. She did hear that from God. So we know that God's trying to use her through this process. But the one thing that I love about this story that I never caught until I read it at the beach. Okay. Jericho's wall. 
Let's just say this is, let's just say this is the law, right? Okay. Hang on. I'm going to make this look better. We're going to do something like this. That look better? Does that look better, church? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. Okay, so this is Jericho's wall, right? Her house was in the wall. That's her window. That's her house inside the walls of Jericho, right? That's what it said, right? Verse 15. Didn't the walls come crumbling down? So when the trumpet blew, the walls come crumbling down. Just erased my really good drawing. But didn't they promise that she would be okay? The story goes, the walls all came down. Joshua, the Israelites, went in, took the city. I want you to imagine something. This is all the rubble from the walls that had fallen down. And there's one small strip that's there. Rahab's house. Y'all agree with me on this? They told her to stay in there. You stay in there. The story goes on. You stay in there. We'll protect you. God will protect you. When God calls you, he's going to give you the opportunity to take all that crap that is around you, all those walls that are blocking you from his love, and he'll destroy them, and he'll leave you standing. He will always be with you if he calls you. Amen? And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your past is and your background, right? So many people, so many people always say, I'm not smart enough, right? You know, I'm not spiritual enough. I don't have that relationship with Jesus like other people do. I'm not the best you know, I don't have the best prayer life, you know. I don't say beautiful prayers. Well, neither do I. Y'all really think God cares how beautiful your prayers are? He just wants you to talk to him. But I always hear this from people when it comes to the point that I look at them and I'm like, okay, it's time for this individual to start serving in the church. It's time for them to step up and be a leader in the church. And this is usually the feedback that I get. Well, I'm not the best father. I'm not the best mother. I don't have my kids completely under control. Listen, if anybody does, please come tell me how to do that. Okay? Guys, if he can take a prostitute and he can destroy every wall that's keeping her from him, he can do the same for you. I want to go to Matthew chapter 1. I'm just going to start in verse 2. You guys can follow along if you want to, but you do not have to. It's okay if you don't. I just want to start reading this. This is the record of ancestors of Jesus Christ. 
Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar, I believe. Listen, by the way, I'm dyslexic, ADD, and from Cass County. If I pronounce any of these names wrong, you can come up here and pronounce it, okay? If you want to come preach the sermon and pronounce these names, you go right ahead and do it. If I say, for instance, like Tamar or Tamar, if I just say T, y'all just follow along, okay? (laughs) Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadad. Aminadad was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salam. Salam was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obadad, whose mother was Ruth. Obadad was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. A prostitute was the great-great-grandmother of King David. If you continue to read all the way down, it takes you all the way to Jesus Christ. That's the cool part of this. 25 generations after Ruth, Jesus Christ was born. A prostitute is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. You know what else is in the bloodline of Jesus Christ? Jacob, one of the biggest screw-ups in the Bible. King David, we all know some great stories that he was a conqueror of a lot of great things, but he was also a major failure in some areas. That's in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. It's not perfect. We are the bloodline of Jesus Christ. It's not perfect. These people weren't either, but guess what? If they don't step up and lead, what happens? Just because we've got some issues that we're fighting ourselves, you don't think these people did? A prostitute and a womanizer and a drunk? Really? Are y'all following me? When Satan... When Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. That's all you got to do. You make sure you tell him. You can talk to me about my past all you want to, but you have no future. You've already been conquered. Always remind him of that, guys. I do it all the time. Every time he brings up one of my mistakes. It takes me a minute. That'll get me down for a minute. But it doesn't take me long to put my foot down and say, yeah, but you've got nowhere to go. I'm the conqueror. I've already put you where you belong because Jesus Christ is in my bloodline. Don't let him put you down, guys. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17. This is Paul. Paul is speaking, and he's letting you guys know what the call of the church is. Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them. Just as God has called them, this is the rule I lay down in all the churches. In whatever situation the Lord has assigned them to. But Mike, I'm not a pastor. What did he assign you to? Well, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Well, guess what? Step up and raise your kids. 
teach them. Teach them. Teach everyone you come across. You can't tell me as a stay-at-home mom, you don't go to the grocery store and you can't lead by example and be that light for somebody. You can't tell me as somebody that may be working construction, you, you, there's a lot of men around you that need God's love. You can't tell me that. It doesn't matter where he has assigned you. You're called. You're called. I get this again a lot. Mike, I've been at the church a short amount of time. I don't think I'm ready to serve. Some people don't want to step up and, and put themselves in a servant's position right now in the church in a certain area that we need help and so forth. And that's okay. I'm never going to push someone. Let me rephrase that. I'm never going to push someone that God doesn't tell me to push. How's that sound? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Guys, if right now is not the right time to step up and get in one of these positions, then just lead by example. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking right now. If you don't feel completely comfortable with being on the greeter team, the prayer team, you know, whatever that situation is, where, wherever you could be, whatever team that might be on outreach and so forth, just lead by example. Walk in here with a smile on your face and hug some people. Amen? See, people complicate it. They complicate it. The church has complicated it tremendously. Do you know there are some churches that if you want to be a greeter at the front door, you got to go through six to eight weeks of training? Why? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're shaking somebody's hand. You're looking them in the eye and you're loving on them. I mean, listen, my dad taught me that in 15 seconds. My dad should have taught the class. <laughs> but I mean, serious, I'm serious, guys. Listen, that's one thing I need everybody in this church to understand, especially, like I said, I know we got some visitors here today. If you want to serve in a church and you don't want to go through a study process, come on, man, we need you. We love you. We'd love to have you serve. We'll find somewhere for you. I promise you. Now, to put you in leadership over one of those areas, take some time. Take some time. We want to make sure we're putting the right people in place and so forth. Make sure they're God-led. Make sure they're praying over every decision that's made in their department. It's very important. But if you want to serve the church, we'll find somewhere for you to serve. Quickly. Okay? We've literally had people that have started at this church, and the next week, we've got them on a team. That's how it should be. Do you think Jesus, if, if, if you walked into the synagogue, if you walked into the temple and Jesus was preaching and you walked up to him when the sermon was done, you said, you know, Jesus, man, you preach a good sermon. I like this church. I'm going to come back. I want to serve this church. Is there any way I can serve? You think he's going to be like, well, I need you to watch these DVDs for the next eight weeks. <laughs> really? Jesus fixing to look at you, grinning from ear to ear. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, we need some more shepherds. Let's get to work. I've watched families that have done this in the last year and a half. It's been so awesome to watch husbands, wives, mothers, and fathers that have, have walked in the church knowing nothing, and they're leading today. It has been absolutely amazing to watch. Thank you all for that. So many of you all that have done that. 
Guys, listen, we have these serving cards that are in the back. I know y'all know this. Some of y'all have seen it and so forth. But it's literally got everything listed here from greeter, offering, prayer team, warrior kids. We still need help in the kids department. Thank y'all for those that have stepped up, by the way, tremendously. We, we've had a lot of people sign up. Oh, thanks. Man, Dustin, you my boy, man. That's what I'm talking about. I, uh, Nick's going to be mad if he hears that. I'm bragging on you. Nick didn't ever do that when I... The, these are the areas you guys can serve in, you know? I mean, and listen, if there's something we left off, come tell me. I don't care. We'll figure a way to get you in there. You know, I mean, seriously. But one of the big areas, too, I just want to point this out, is the tech team. Guys, we need some help with running the soundboard, running the computers back there, and so forth. I've got guys that have literally been serving every single Sunday, basically every Sunday for a year and a half. Guys, they need to sit with their wives. We need some help. Okay? If you know anything about tech, which is not me, that's why I'm not doing it, we need your help. Amen? Because that's something else. I also don't want y'all to think, well, if I sign up, I'm going to be doing it every week. Our goal is for you to serve once a month. If we get enough people, that's the goal, right? And, and, and Kyle and Dustin are looking at me like, but we've been serving for two years. But y'all are all right. Y'all tough. Y'all can handle it. But what I'm saying is, we do. We really do. We really would like to have you guys if we get enough, serve once a month, especially in the children's department, because them kids are crazy. Like, you don't want to serve them more than once a month, right? Like, and I'm talking about my kids. Y'all are like, you talking about my kid like that? No, I'm talking about my kids. Have y'all met Caroline? That kid is wild, okay? God, you know what? God bless y'all if y'all have taught my child, okay? Thank y'all very much. The first place you serve may not be the right spot for you. That's okay. If it's not the spot for you, let the team leader know and we will continue to find you that spot. Don't feel bad about that. Don't feel bad about that at all. You may be like, oh, man, I do. I want to get into the outreach. And, and then Mikey puts you to work, and, like, he's working you to death, and you're like, this ain't my thing. You know what I'm saying? First of all, don't be lazy, okay? Okay, but number two, really, if it's not your thing, just let Mikey know. Mikey will come to me. We'll find another spot for you. Right, Mikey? I mean, that's, that's fine. I mean, that's right. That's right. So that's what we'll do. We'll get you in the right spot, guys. We want you to be where God wants you to be. And I need you to understand something. Make no mistake about this. God wants you to serve his church. Somehow, in some way, he wants you to serve his church. Guys, this whole series is called You Are Called. Man, you're good. Dude, you are called. If you're a child of God, you are called. Regardless if this is the first time in this church, regardless if you're visiting today, wherever church you're from, or where, if you're not even in a church, you're called if you're a child of God. Because here's the thing, the church is not this building, the church is out there. We'd love, we need help in here so we can serve more out there. But just know that if you're not a part of this church, if you're watching online and you live, because we got, we got a lady lives in, in England that's watching right now. I guarantee you, she watches every Sunday. We love you. Every Sunday, she watches from England. She can't be here physically, but she can serve that community. That's what this whole series is about, guys. We're going to discuss what it takes to get you equipped when you are called. Because here's the thing, guys. He's calling this church. He, I'm, he said, Christian Warriors Church. 
CWC. That's what he says to me because he's really cool. You know, <laughs> my God's cool. You know, what does Zaire say? He says, he, what does he say? He says, C-dub. C-dub? Yeah, see, that, God didn't say that to me. But he did say CWC, okay? So he's calling us, guys. Jesus called us. If you go look at Matthew, we're going to read Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the Great Commission. You live your life this way, where you go out and you create disciples. You're going to be preparing God's army to take on this earth and all the crud that we're going through. Grab a pen and paper. I'm going to write this down. By the way, some of y'all are like, well, Micah, you know, there's notepads in the, in the pews, but ain't many pens. Okay, well, quit stealing them, okay? <laughs> Those pens cost money, right? <laughs> y'all are laughing. I'm kind of serious. I really am. Faithful servants never retire. You can retire from your career, but you will never retire from serving God. So you might as well get your butt to work right now. Right? My elders are like, did he just say butt? Guys, it's time. He has specifically called this church. He's given me visions of this from nine years ago. It's been nine years that he has been preparing this church for this moment. I know a lot of people may think, well, Micah, that's a, you know, it's a small church, you know. You don't have a lot of funds. You don't have a lot of, you know, you don't have a thousand people coming. How can y'all make a difference? I think Goliath thought that too. 